Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look, and you'll see into your imagination. Hello and welcome to Question Block, Secret Loft's live educational historical podcast. That's a lot. Uh, And this week we're talking about candy because it's the week after Halloween. So we're going to tell you about the history of all of your leftover candy. So I am uh, Alex. I go by Wires of NYC on Instagram in the world of DJing. And with me is... Aerialist. Uh, I go by Aerialist. You go by Aerialist. Uh, Aerialist, what are you dressed as right now? Oh, I am a piece of cotton candy, bubble gum. Yeah, we can get into it then. What do you want? Well, wait, let's start with... Our statement. Our statement. For the one time in history, religious people actually made stuff better. (laughs) And war made stuff better too. And war made stuff better too? Yeah. True. War and religion usually make things like... Well, actually, no. War, like, creates innovations, but religion usually, like, makes stuff not good. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is a time when if we didn't have, like, Jesus people, then we wouldn't have chocolate the way that we know it today. Wow. Yeah, shout out, by the way, Chef Maki, our, uh, our subscriber on Twitch. Good to see you. Chef Maki probably knows about candy, too. As a chef. As a chef, yeah. <laughs> What's the oldest... Oh, and we'll we best friend me, and we always start with kind of a definition too. So to be clear here, we're talking about candy, not desserts. Desserts like cakes and pies, ice cream. There's we're gonna have entirely separate episodes on that. There's way too much to talk about. So we're candy specifically is like stuff that comes in little pieces, generally eaten with your hand, uh, and usually not a meal, except for uh, in Bengal. I guess the, the Bengalis apparently will eat candy for an entire meal during festivals. Where did you? Oh, okay. I was like, what? I kind didn't of... just make that up. It's Wiki, Wikipedia. Um, yeah. It's very specific, like shade. Wikipedia was really specific about. It. I was like, well, little kids do it all over the world, and they're like, no, no, adults, <laughs> Bengali adults do it. Um, yeah. So candy, candy is in, you know, stuff you get in the. Like impulse buys at CVS store. or whatever, or at the candy store. In your trick or treat at basket, Dylan's candy store. So candy is also right in the the British in British English, it's called sweets. And then Australians and New Zealanders, despite the fact it encompasses a whole bunch of other stuff, call it lollies. I was just gonna say they call everything. They're like meat lolly. <laughs> everything like a, is a yeah. lolly. What is a meat lolly? That's is like it, a shish kebab. Yeah. A meat okay. lolly. A this meat is lolly. a this is a sound lolly. Yeah, like a a, a stabbing lolly. That's yeah. a knife. It's <laughs> a sound lolly. Yeah. Uh, so they they call them lollies. And the word candy it comes from India, like right, because they they spelled it with a K. They, they call were it like Kanda. Kanda. K H A N D A. Yeah, Kanda forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. You want Kanda? Yeah. So they. Uh, the Indians developed in like between fourth and sixth century or whatever. And like the Greeks like picked up on this too, but the Indians, I guess, primarily are known for uh, 
I guess crystallizing sugar. Rock candy. Yeah, creating creating sugar syrup and boiling it down until you got like I guess sugar plates. Yeah. I guess Jolly Ranchers basically. Um and yeah, I don't think they even really did rock candy. That was developed later because you got to like dip it a lot. That's a lot of labor there. But it was just a way to transport sugar. Yeah, well they were the only like culture that was or place people people they were the only nouns that were <laughs> that were uh eating just that like other like the greeks were doing it but they they kind of it was like part of a recipe but they were like no we're cool with just this like this is like a great dessert yeah eating actual just sugar yeah hardened sugar sugar walls the the greeks were doing more coating stuff in honey so coating like fruits and nuts and honey Um, honey lolly yeah and serving that with meals is like a a nice sweet finish for the meal Yes. And it was it was then like that for a couple thousand years. But meanwhile, in Mesoamerica. Yeah, I guess I'll talk about the ancient chocolate stuff and you can talk about the ancient sugary stuff and then we can meet somewhere. Yeah. So in the, the Middle Ages. Yeah. So candy kind of it's it basically is like, yeah, as trade routes get established and like the Silk Road and the spice trade is like candy and sugary confections go along with it. So eventually like the Western Europe finds out about it. And so they're Wait, getting into candy. Yeah. Too. And yeah, I, China was, they were uh, doing what in Britain would later be called the sugar plum, which is basically just herbs that were like candied ginger, candied like cinnamon or candied uh, nuts that would later be called a sugar plum when it got to when yeah, it got so to Europe, that's like that's what they were doing around this time. In was um, also popular, yeah. In the Middle Ages, wealthy people would serve candies at banquets for their guests, called chamber spice, uh, which is cloves, ginger, anise, juniper, almonds, and pine kernels dipped in melted sugar. Yeah, so that's kind of Middle Ages again. It's just for like the wealthy because it's still yeah. very expensive to get so sugar. Mayans and Aztecs were both. They were not really into sugar, but they were drinking cacao, which so the cacao tree, like there's a the tree and the the pods that grow they grow off of the bark of the tree. You can grind them up and make them into like cacao powder, pow- cocoa powder. Yeah, I've never seen chocolate in the wild. Well, you actually won't because it's extremely hard to grow anywhere except for its native climate. The cacao tree really is very particular about the other trees that are around it because it can get diseases. So there's only there's a record of only one like true like chocolate being created from a single like cacao pod in England. And I think it was given to like Queen Elizabeth. Like they were like, you can have it. Like they, they studied, they were like, okay, we're doing like a good job with like bananas and pineapples. So we're going to try to do this with a cacao tree. And they got like one cacao pod and they made like a little teeny tiny like chocolate thing and they gave it to her. And then they were like, never again. (laughs) We'll just, we'll just export it. (laughs) Thank you very much. And it's now all still imported from like Central and South America. Yes, which is problematic, you know, because of the child labor and there's all that kind but of it's, stuff. But it's pretty wild because I think the world knows, like, right, This everybody thinks the Swiss and the Belgians are like, and I guess maybe the Germans are like the master chocolatiers. Like, they mastered it and all the, like, 
you know, Godiva and like Lint and all those companies that we'll get to talking about the history of like, yeah, all their stuff is made with imported raw materials. From yeah, they did master it the way that people tend to like. I feel like I would like the bitter, you know, because, yeah, everyone's like, oh, the drink was like super bitter. And they would the um, the you, Mayans would drink the co- the like the hot the hot cacao. They would drink it with chili, which I'm like, dude, that's right up my alley. And like then, a Mexican hot chocolate. Well, but, but that's always sweet. really sweet. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I want the like bitter. Love the bitterness. And the Aztecs would make like basically Asahi bowls <laughs> because they would <laughs> okay. they would do it like cold and they put they put like grains and like Asahi berries and like kale and shit in it. Right. So that was their vibe. And then the Spanish, you know, there's like the the dark Spanish situation that happens. The conquistadors. Yes. And they they bring it to Spain. Chocolate is kind of, because it's still very bitter. It's it's a drink for intellectuals. It's kind of like coffee. And King Charles actually tried to ban it because he was like, these people are getting together in co- in um, cacao houses and like talking shit about me. So there was like a little ban on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even in this. Yeah. You're saying this is like 14, 1500s, I guess 1500s or whatever. Yes. When they're like was it like 1520 or whatever the conquistadors um but yeah even in like the late 1600s like coffee was was relatively new in europe and i think cacao was probably really expensive oh yeah it was yeah and and because if it if you didn't know how to prepare it then it people were like they thought it was like a sheep droppings so there's lots of like cute stories where you know british got a hold of some cargo that did have like cacao in it, but they th- they dumped it all out because they thought it was like sh- <laughs> it was sheep poop. Oh, yeah. So if you didn't know how to prepare it, people were like, "What is this?" Yeah. So it it kind of went like that f- ooh, up until like the eighteen hundreds, actually. So same thing with the sugary candy. It it kind of was a uh, an occasional like treat, and still it was mostly like candied fruits or nuts or whatever. Um, Nobody had like innovated to to make like cool all sugar treats or taffies or any of that stuff. Do you think they were also doing to preserve the fruits and stuff? Yeah, putting coating stuff in honey is a great way to preserve it because the honey is like antibacterial and it keeps out water. So that's one reason you would candy a bunch of like fruit or whatever. But I think like as soon as like canning got invented, they were like, oh wait, we don't have to coat everything in honey. Um, or just, and they knew how to like dry stuff. So dehydrating fruit was all, has been around for like, you know, thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. So then everything changes really. And that's unlike a lot of our typical topics. Yeah. Candy only really gets interesting with the industrial revolution. Um, so it really is in the like early to mid 1800s when they start making a bunch of this work, uh, like mechanizing it, I guess. So like, uh, boiling down sugar was super labor intensive because you have to stir it constantly or it will burn. And so they invented uh, a special kind of like boiling pan and uh, the a tempering, a tempering pan. Oh, a tempering pan. Yeah. Have you used one? No, it's just like, you know, when you see like, like the cooks, the chefs and they're like, they got like a big pan. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's and like you a gotta constantly be yeah, stirring yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. It's super labor intensive. So they like automated that. And then the candy press 
let you press the, the sugar into different shapes or mold it basically like rapidly, which also goes by the name toy machine. For some reason, like this, again, factoid in Wikipedia, like goes by the surprising name of toy machine. And I was like, weird. Okay. Doesn't make any sense. Suspicious. <laughs> so yeah, with those two inventions, it became feasible to like, you could run a candy shop and like make your own treats with just a couple people. And so then the the like modern conception, the Willy Wonka candy shop conception was born. In the 1800s, wow. Yeah, so I think it's it's really like late 1800s, I think. So the Victorians again. Um, yes. And so uh, Penny Candy is like sort of the, one of the quintessential like icons of capitalism actually. Because Penny Candy is like, they point out it was like meant, it was, it was marketed to and meant for the children of the working class. And so it takes an industrialized like society with like a working class and middle class to buy penny candy. And it was like primarily children who would buy it. Like adults <laughs> would maybe buy it for them, but it was meant for kids. So like that scene in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory in the beginning when all the kids run into the candy shop was real. Like that that's like what it was like. I'm laughing because I'm like like children of the working class, meaning yeah. like that the children were also working. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, also working children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Made for the work. Yeah, the kid has like a brief. He's like, I've had a, I've had a rough, had a rough day. day. Need a little. He a, puts a, a throws candy. a penny onto the counter. He's like, he's like, keep keep it coming. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but so the, I think it was. It's kind of in the Wikipedia or historical. It's like the first business that marketed to and was patronized like by children so it kind of like changes how the i guess the marketing works and explains a lot of like why candy is so like colorful and exciting to look at and fun and it's like because it was it the origin of it when it became widespread as it was marketed to kids oh that's so interesting yeah so you could say like toy stores are very similar if you've walked into like a toys r us they went bankrupt but i'm just saying candy was first <laughs> <laughs> don't get go, go, going like, off whoa. the rails here that's for the whoa. save it for the toys episode yes the chocolate history doesn't it doesn't like really get innovative until quakers yeah what do the quakers do yeah well quakers were not allowed to do a lot of things they weren't allowed to like go to universities or like play pool or ride horses i'm just making stuff up but they weren't allowed to do a lot of things but they were allowed to go into business and they all had this like vow of honesty and integrity and if one of them did not follow it like the other quakers would like come for that quaker they would shun them yeah you get the silent treatment exactly <laughs> yes i'll shun you yeah yeah <laughs> So you could always trust a Quaker grocer. Like uh, other people couldn't be trusted to like, yeah, they would, you know, they would like do ba do a bait and switch. They'd cut your food with like, like uh, laxatives. I don't know. But they, you know, it was, it was a terrible like rip off market and you, you never could be sure what you were going to get. All right. So, you know, William Penn was like a Quaker. He was like an extremely wealthy Quaker who founded Pennsylvania cool i did cool fact, i did not know that yeah okay well his his brothers his quaker brothers <laughs> do these names sound familiar so there are the fries the round trees and the cadberries uh i i don't know round tree but i know fries and cadbury yes round tree um, is like also a 
or you major know. candies. So yes. this was in this was in the like in England though, right? This wasn't in America. Right. They're selling chocolate just because you know they're they're trusted grocers and and you can be sure that you're getting like that pure pure. Okay. <laughs> right. And you're not going to be poisoned. So around the same time, <laughs> the van the Van Houtens, the Van Utens. They, um, That's you know, Millhouse's name on the Simpsons. Yeah, Millhouse yeah, yeah. Van, Van Houten. Van Houten. They invent a press to get the like the bitter alkaloids out of out of co- like chocolate cocoa, right? So, in 1847, the fries they mix this powder like from the from the the press, the Van Houten press. They mix it with extra cocoa butter and sugar, and they invent the first chocolate bar. And prior then, to that, nobody, you couldn't even get the chocolate into a chocolate bar? No, because like, it's like, it was, yeah, it was like the powder, you could do the powder, but like, what are you going to like, smush yeah. it together? Yeah. And it was it was kind of bitter, so even if you could like, smush it together, it was like, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? So the press, it like, separated the fat from the alkaloids, and then the... It's like chemistry. Yeah, it is. Then the fries were like, oh, if we take... The fat, like we we hold on to that, and then we just mix it back with the powder. It'll make like a chocolate bar. So they figured that out, and you know, then chocolate inventions just were like exploding onto the scene. Like people were like, "What if we do this and that?" And then the Quakers or the Cadbury Quakers, they were like, "Okay, we're, we're going to buy the Van Houten press, and that's going to be very expensive." So. We're going to also demand that the government make everyone list what's in their product because they, they deemed it would be worth getting the press if they were like, look, all that's in our chocolate is like cocoa and like this that's in, it. This is in England still. Yes. Right? Okay. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, Got it. And so th- that's cool. Though. They're like the first people who are like, you got to list the ing- you got to show the receipts, you know. So I was gonna a similar thing happened with the sugary candy, <gasps> by the way. Really? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Quakers didn't save the day in this case, I guess. But uh, yeah. So like, uh, this was also in the in the late eighteen hundreds. But as the as like kind of more steps became involved in the candy process, the candy producing process, um, you know, people would add ingredients. So like cornstarch and corn syrup are cheaper than sugar. So even back then, they were putting corn and stuff. Just, just like cocaine. <laughs> Well, and just like so much candy today uses corn corn syrup. True. Um, but they would also add, like some candy makers would add poisonous stuff to produce bright colors. So they would Neat. add they would add chromium oxide and copper acetate to make green, lead oxide and mercury sulfide for red, and lead chromate for yellow, and chalk and arsenic trioxide for white. So like when you get like a striped piece of candy, it could have like all these terrible additives oh in it. The Italian, like, you know, the Italian flag colors. Yeah. You're screwed. <laughs> so there's a, yeah, like a, a historical, like a, a magazine from like the, from 1885, where it shows like a, a candy, a candy man, a candy dealer, I guess. And a doctor and death are like all friends. Um, so anyway, the, it was, wasn't until like the early 1900s that the Pure Food and Drug Act in America got passed that started regulating food and drugs. But candy was one of like the main sources of like poisonous like additives in food. That's wow. And pe- yeah, and people they're serving t- it to children. Oh my goodness. Pe- 
so easy. It's like t- it's like taking, <laughs> like candy, taking from candy from a baby. It's like putting chromium sulfate yes. in a baby's candy. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like the person who like poisons people on Halloween. They're like, it's, I'm just keeping up with the tradition. <laughs> like, I'm a traditionalist. Like, Wait, don't like, come on, don't come for me. Well, yeah, the just to be clear, Cad uh, Cadbury, they it wasn't like they weren't like you need to regulate this. They were like just put it just just put it on the label, and then people will see that like yeah, ours is better. Ours is the purest. Yeah, That's, I think their l- slogan used to be something like it's it's so pure. You can be sure, like it was something like that, something cute like that, right? In 1875, there's this dude named Daniel Peter, and he he's like been trying to figure out how to make milk chocolate, like yeah, because if you mix milk, just like straight up milk with the cocoa powder, it's it's not it's not cute, it's, it's not, not good, it's not soluble. Yeah, you know how hard it is to mix up Nestle's quick. <laughs> what right it's just not it's too the chocolate's like too fatty and it doesn't like smush together so the nestle factory was like near near his lab and i guess one day his his chocolate truck crashed into the nestle powdered milk truck and then you got oops all milk chocolate Wait, what did he actually do? Do you know? Yeah, he the he worked with like some some somebody at Nestle was like, "Hey, we have powdered milk," and it was right next to like where he was working, and they were like, "Why don't you try the powdered milk with the powdered like cocoa and you mix that, and then you add the cocoa butter later on?" And he did that, and it worked. Oh, yeah. No one That's knows the name story. of that like factory worker. It was just like some random dude who was like, "Hey, why don't you try this?" Yeah, and then. So that's when when this happened, Cadbury is like, we're going to come out with the dairy milk bar. And that's, you know, they're like the, on the cover of it. There's like they're like there's like a half a glass of milk in every bar, you know, and they're like, it's the milkiest milk chocolate. So you're saying it became sort of a nutritional supplement for kids. No, that didn't happen until white chocolate, which, as we know, is not. It's not really chocolate. It's more just cocoa butter. Mm. It, that that didn't happen until almost like, yeah, like, oh okay, like fifty later. years later, in, in nineteen thirty seven. Because the dairy milk bar you don't really see in America, but they, it's okay. <laughs> they do have the Cadbury dairy milk bar, but should I get into this now? It's a very it would be brief, but it's like a beef that like yeah, explain. Okay, what's the deal? So there's an American version of the Cadbury Dairy Milk Bar and a British version. And I think in 2018, which 16, is, which maybe, is better. the Hershey's company who produces the like who produces the American under license from Cadbury. Probably. Right. Yeah. They were like they were like, OK, the British version like can't come to America anymore. And this is and they like somehow stopped production and like uh like they just they cut it off <laughs> they threw, british, it all, threw it all british in the people harbor were like yeah. so mad they're like i'd rather put a gun in oh, my the british ma- I'd rather, in america i'd rather put a gun lolly in my mouth than <laughs> <laughs> than put an american it's, it's, dairy milk and so here's the here's like what they're saying is that the british dairy milk bar they're like look at the ingredients the first ingredient in the d- british dairy milk bar is Milk. milk and the first one in the American one is sugar, but British food company, like Food and Drug Administration, 
Oh, they, do they go by weight or something they instead go of by mass. All or? the milk, including the water, they go by like mm. so. Really, the the recipe is almost the same, except the the real difference is the British version has more cocoa butter, not more cocoa butter, but more emulsifiers, I guess. So it has more like soy lechin and like. Uh, guar gum and stuff like that in it okay so getting it, a little too deep it has the, more the, stuff that makes it taste fatty okay. all right in it the, and in in america you you can't have you have to have a certain percentage of something to, of milk to call it milk chocolate and so the british ironically the british one actually does not qualify as milk chocolate in america okay. even though the brits are like ours has okay. more milk okay there you go all right so yeah, save it for the dairy milk bar episode. Yes, there's <laughs> the people got they get really they get really heated, and I I was like I want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, so you only get the special American dairy milk in America. Noted. Yes, I don't eat eat dairy milks anyway. Yeah, <laughs> well, and so you were asking about the kids, the nutritional like supplement in 1937. There were a lot of sickly Oliver Twist kind of kids running around. Or not running around. And uh, 37 is like nearing the end of the Great Depression. Sure. Yeah. Or maybe it's the height of the Great Depression. So they want to give them a they want to give them like a medicine, kind of like a nutriment or something like that. But the kids kids don't want to drink milk because they think it's babyish. This so is before the Got Milk campaign had launched. Yeah. So, you know, nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> how nutritious it was at the time. So they. They're like, okay, well, what if we just take the cacao butter and then the powdered milk and we put the vitamins in that and then we give it to them and they would call it white chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I also was, I was reading that like the, like kind of the concept of like nutrients in food and needing to get like, right, certain minerals and chemicals and vitamins from food was still like pretty young in the early 1900s. So a lot of candy was just marketed as like a cheap way to get calories because they were like, yeah, it's calories. That's all that matters is like the energy content of it. So yeah, for like the the amount of like calories you need for a day of labor is like candy, like chocolate bars are cheaper than eggs or whatever. So like, yeah, just eat candy. So there were like during the, I think, Great Depression, there were like chocolate bars were sold for five cents and were marketed as like a meal replacement for your lunch. They're like, hey, that's the oh, same yeah. number of calories as eating like, you know, a sandwich. The lunch bar. Wasn't yeah, that one? Of, that was a bar, I think, at one point. Yeah, and then we'll, well, yeah, the whole candy as meal replacement is, it just continues evolving, but it's all still just candy. I'm looking at you, Kudos Bar and Quaker Oats Bar. Yeah, <laughs> Kudos. Was now Power Bars? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? They're all candy. You know, so an interesting, like, candy that was actually used to treat like sore throats and stuff like that and actually yes the like marshmallows right peeps because mm -hmm. <laughs> mar like mallow root it it does actually soothe it's kind of like an arnica for your insides like it soothes mm. like sore throats and things like that yeah when did marshmallows get popular I have no idea. In in France, actually. Well, they were it was an Egyptian thing because like Egyptians, mm. you know, they knew all about the medicine and stuff and they like got that. The mallow. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 were like taking it for to for sore throats and like 
Is it uh, is it just a plant called mallow that grows in marshes? Is that where the where the name of that of the like that candy comes from? No, it um I don't know why it the marsh part actually. I don't know the marsh what what's going on with the marsh part. Okay. Yeah. But in France, you know, because French were like they were like, oh, we're gonna whip these like egg whites and stuff like that. They like did that with the with the root of it. So it was kind of like like a less disgusting Turkish delight, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a different base. Yeah. And they, they kind of they put like some gelatin in it and stuff as well. And then in 1948, Alex, there's an Alex who, yeah, Alex Dumock. Hmm. He he was like, I'm going to. Oh, because it wasn't in the little pieces. It was just like in a. You just get a big blob of marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just in a, a tube. It was like in a a long. Like a, like a tube of cookie dough. <laughs> <of marshmallow. laughs> yeah. Okay, so he had the idea for like stay puffed. Yeah, he was like, we're gonna cut it into into pieces, into little pieces. I do and think stuff candy like products have like the most fun names of almost any product yeah. or food, right? Like stay puffed marshmallows. Stay puffed. Oh yeah, and Girl Scouts. They they. Yo, if you stay puffed, you ain't gotta get puffed. They and they sort of like blew up marshmallows because they were like, let's piggyback them with chocolate for the s'more. You know. Mm. Thanks, Girl Scouts. They invented the s'more? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, not the Boy was, Scouts. Boy Scouts are too busy hunting and stuff like that. I thought it was American Frontiersmen. <laughs> no, I thought it was the Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so, yeah, so we were talking about the great chocolate companies, right? So we you, you went through the Quakers, the Quaker trio, the triumvirate of Quaker chocolatiers. Um, and then you were talking about the Nestle factory, which presumably founded by the Nestle family. <laughs> Nestle family. There's okay. I have a breakdown because this is like c- kind of confusing. I have a breakdown of like the largest candy companies like right now and who's under the umbrella because a lot of times, as we know, like Mars, he yeah he is like fifty different comp- candy companies like in his umbrella fighting against each other basically well and there's so yeah there's actually only like 11 food companies in the world so like mondelez owns like cadbury and like right so that's in this list just just so we don't get like mars i think is still privately owned yeah it is it's the largest mars is the sixth largest private company in america i think bloomberg is right up there with them so mars is number one and some popular candies in the mars universe are mars the Mars, the Mars bar, M and M's, Snickers, Bounty, Milky Way, Twix, and they also own uh, Pedigree Dog Food, mm-hmm. and what is it? Classic Ben's Rice. We we can't. Classic Ben's Rice. Yeah. Whiskers, cat food. Yep, yep. They own they own a lot of cat food. Then there's Ferrero, and they have Kinder. Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, exactly. Tic Tacs. I didn't know that. And Nutella. We have some for, uh, yeah, we have Kinder here. We have Kinder here. Oh, should I be trying these? Oh, yeah. You want to try? Okay. So, all right. So we have. Selection. I mentioned Mars. I don't. Wait, is this a Mars thing? 
I think no, that... Crunch is Nestle. Oh no, Crunch, did and, I not get Crunch and Kit oh, no. Kat are Nestle. Uh, I don't think I have Hershey's is Hershey's, based in Pennsylvania, as we know. They have yeah. their own town named after them. You managed to not get any Mars products. Ooh, the shade of it all. Well, that's because they don't need any more money. Okay. Yeah, which as we as as we found out is America's most popular candy. Okay, M and M's. So Mondelez. Yeah. Is they have Oreo Milka, which is like the German number one German thing. Cadbury. I think there's a is there a Cadbury thing in there? Yeah. Okay. So. so why don't you try that one? Wait. Maybe not. No Cadbury. There's a Godiva. There's a Toblerone. And a Toblerone. <laughs> Toblerone's still independent company, I think, right? Is it? Oh, maybe. There's um Meji, which is the the like Pocky that's one. A, that's the one the popular one in Japan. Yeah. All right, so we, now we're getting stuff that we have. We have Hershey's. So a lot of these companies are just, they started as, they, the history of candy companies is pretty cool because a lot of them started as very small businesses um, or like single person, like businesses, someone just making a kind of chocolate and it kind of, it either caught on or they figured out some new recipe that made them much more popular than the other ones and then they grew and like. Yeah, so Mars, I guess, of, is like, the one so we should talk about forest and forest and frank. forest and frank mars has the coolest i think history of a family company uh and any candy company of mars candy company okay so frank mars is born like late 1800s uh he had mi a mild case of polio as a kid so he was bedridden a lot when he was a little kid and watched his mom uh, dip chocolate. She would like make chocolates for the family and, and like, I don't know, dip stuff in them. So he kind of learned the candy trade from her. So uh, he was better, he got over his polio. So at 19, he went into business as an independent uh, candy producer. So he wanted to be a wholesaler. So he would make a bunch of candy, mostly chocolates, sell it to stores. And that was gonna be his business. And he uh, married a woman named Ethel and like you know ran his candy company i think in like somewhere in like the midwest and it failed he did very poorly ethel divorced him they he did married another ethel didn't he yes they had a son named forrest eth ethel won custody of forrest uh and moved to canada uh where i guess her her family was from and so frank uh married another ethel moved to california uh tried again uh, became a candy wholesaler again failed uh and like lost all, all his money again so he then moved back to i think new jersey like the east coast where his family was and tried again and he had four hundred dollars left to his name and by then his son was like had, had grown up and was like very smart and i think attended harvard or so, like a, a fancy business school and they had reconciled somewhat, even though he didn't know his son very much when he was growing up because he lived in Canada and he was a failing businessman. So Forrest actually had the idea for, Frank is struggling along in business. Forrest, one night, uh, he was a, a salesman selling, I forget if it was knives or vacuums, but he's <laughs> Don't like- Don't mix those up. Yeah, Forrest is a door-to-door -door salesman. And one night he's, uh, he's, he's at a, I guess a, talking with a soda jerk at a soda counter and he drinks a malt and he's like somebody should make a candy bar that tastes like goes, this what if you took this soda and you shoved it into a chocolate bar specifically i guess like a vanilla malt milkshake yes 
Um, and so he goes to his dad, Frank, and he's like, hey, could you like produce something like this? And they experiment for a couple of years and they realize nougat, nougat is the secret ingredient, which is, I think nougat's mostly still just a combination of, it's like some kind of sort well, of- Everyone knows what whipped, it is, it's all good. sugar. Yeah, it's just fluffy. Sometimes with additives, but it's just fluffy sugar, it's I guess. It's the fluffy. And then- they they added caramel to it. Yeah, Mars is his company originally was called the Morrow Bar Company, <laughs> and then yeah, uh, it did really it bad. later incorporated as Mars Incorporated. Okay, so this the Milky Way comes out in 1923. Yeah, they moved to Chicago, and then uh, in 1930, seven years later, they drop the Snickers Bar. Yes, but what really did it for them was like the war because. Right. Like they separated. They had a falling out. Right. They're like like the dad was like this town ain't big enough for the two of us. He sends his son away. Well, to, to be clear, no, they've, they're already very successful. The Milky Way grows like tenfold in a year. Yes. They do make a lot of money. They're already like wealthy. And then they like they Forrest keeps up. Forrest keeps coming up with new ideas like Snickers. And Frank like is like, no, nah, we we're good. We nailed it. We're, yeah. we're just selling like, candy you know bars. What? You need to shut your, your pie hole and go to Europe right now. So the son does that, right? Frank offers to just buy out Forrest. He's like, I'll just give you, if you just go away, I'll give you $50,000, which at the time right. is like a lot of money. Okay. He and goes, Forrest does. He goes to Europe. Yes. And that's really, I think, when the ingenuity happens, right? Well, no, they'd already invented the Snickers and Milky Way. But, but that's what's the number one candy in the world? It's the M&M. Right, and that's what I'm talking about. So it's both that, yes, Forrest moves to Europe, and he immediately sets up international distribution throughout Europe, which does really well. During the Spanish Civil War, which is in the 30s, he sees that the Spanish troops have chocolate <laughs> with a... Not the fascists, by the way. The, the, the good guys. The, the liberal ones, the socialists. <laughs> I, he sees they have chocolate. They're just walking around with chocolate in their they hand. They have chocolate pellets that are coated with a hard candy shell. They're like, they have a gun in one hand. They have these chocolate pellets in the other hand. And they're not melting. How do they do it? It is worth noting that, that like chocolate is yeah has routinely been like a wartime like ration that you get. You get like X amount of chocolate. It's like you can go to look at records from World War II or World War One. You get like this much chocolate every week or whatever it's it's like included it's like part of like basic human sustenance you have to have some some sort yeah. of candy they're not frank, melting frank is like oh that's brilliant because you can carry it around with you and it doesn't yeah. melt so he teams up right with or not sorry not frank forrest sees that so forrest uh, you know comes back and tells frank and he's like here's another idea we got to make this and i think because uh they saw that World War II was coming because this is now in the 40s, I think. Uh, with the approach of World War II, there was, I guess, a shortage of chocolate or a lot of chocolate was being like reserved for the armed forces. So they team up with Hershey's to make sure that they can get enough of the chocolate. So it's like a... It's two, two, two rivals, two captains of industry teaming up. Yeah, it's also, I believe... So the other M... Because he, he teamed up with, like, a scientist, or Forrest did. He teamed up with a scientist whose name also began with M. Mm. And that's what the M&Ms are for. And they, yeah, they also had, like, a falling out. And then... If you have a falling out with two people, maybe Forrest was the problem. 
Well, yeah, and then M&Ms were banned in certain places, in certain, like, um, English places because, like, the other M guy was, like, was, like, one of those M's isn't isn't welcome here. Yeah, it's uh, it stands for Mars and Muri. Yeah, so that's the other the other scientist that was just like helping him make them and like yeah. and like mass. Well, I think them. He, I think Muri was like a Hershey like worked for Hershey's. Yeah, and he they like Mars got him on loan to develop the candy, and Muri got a twenty percent stake in sales of the candy, which is insane. That's a that's an insane amount of like money. But he was late. He was like bought out. They bought him out. So yeah, Mars and Muri. That's what M M&M and M stands for. 